You're listening to the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt, from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz with RAGBRAI. This is a podcast where we get to talk about the fun of bicycles. There'll be tales from the RAGBRAI Nation, and we'll be joined by guests each week to talk about the social side of bicycling. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Well, we got a fun episode today, and we're going to kind of get right into stuff. But before we do that, I guess we should probably see any updates that you know of in the bike world. You know, we've uh, we've been uh, not very busy this week as far as our work at the legislature and things like that. But, you know, there was an interesting story that came across my feed. Um, I don't know if you saw this one about Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, what's Jr. up to? Well, I guess uh, I guess he's taking a love of bicycling, and he was out riding and having a great time, and Good. and uh, just just like everybody else uh, that you know experienced this once, uh, another driver gave him the finger. <laughs> Number one, I, I I guess I mean it's it's all part of racing. I suppose uh, you know it's just kind of interesting that somebody that famous and a professional driver at that. Uh, that got it, you know, it, and I don't want to, I don't want to make too much light of it. Cause, well, Robin is racing, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, there's no place for that on the road. <laughs> so hopefully people just start to get along and, and figure out that, you know, there could be somebody famous riding up next to you like Dale Earnhardt Jr. Well, we've had a few, uh, NASCAR famous riders that came out on Ragbury last year. If you recall, we had Jimmy Johnson and Matt Kenseth that came over and, and rode a day of Ragbury with us. Boy, they put in some miles that day too. Yeah, they they actually flew in. They were racing that weekend. I don't know much about NASCAR, but they flew in from the East Coast, rode their bikes, and then rode back to the plane uh, to the airport to go take them back. I think they had about 120 miles when it was all said and done, mixed in some gravel. And I heard they're going to come back with that that older retired cyclist from down in, in the Texas area. I think he's going to come back with them again and uh, ride again for another year. Ragbri. Well, let's give them a great time in Iowa again. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So um, some other things that have been kind of on my plate, we just put out the entire Ragbri route from, from, you know, basically Sunday all the way to Saturday from orange city over to Lansing and, just got some some just some highlights. I guess I'll I'll talk a little bit about that route. On Sunday we have the Mile of Silence, which starts off. We started it up last year, and then we'll also have the gravel loop on that Sunday. It's just 62 miles. That highlight though, Sutherland will be the host of the gravel loop, and um, just to be a fun fun start for Ragbri in, in Orange City over to Spencer. And then on Monday, if you want to get some extra miles in 101 miles of the Karis Loop, which will go, um, you know, basically Spencer to Algona. But it, when you get to West Bend, which is the Grotto of the Redemption, if you want to take a, an extra 30 miles spin right there, that'll add up to 101. So basic route is 72 miles, but Spencer to Algona will be fun. And you've been in that area before, Mark? You know, uh, West Bend, that's where the Grotto rocks, right? Absolutely. So it's also Mr. Porkchop Day, and if anyone has ever enjoyed a pork chop, uh, obviously Paul Bernard had been cooking chops for many, many decades on Ragbri. Passed away this last year, and we're going to honor, um, you know, the king of the chops, um, no doubt about it. Cool, cool. That sounds great. 
Then Tuesday is People for Bikes Day. We're just traveling 51 miles, just under 1,000 feet of climb, Algona to Clear Lake. We go through Wesley, Britt, Garner, then through Ventura, probably about the most beautiful six miles of cycling along the north shore of Clear Lake. So that'll be a fun day. You've got some fond memories of that area, don't you? You know, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy Clear Lake. We had uh, the outing club that we've stayed at there, which is it's like the set of Dirty Dancing. It's it's that uh, sort of old feel to it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Then Wednesday, Clear Lake to Charles City. We'll pick up a new town, Thornton, Iowa, and go through some, some oldie but goodies, Swaledale, Rockwell, Rockford. And then we hit uh, Cartersville somewhere along the way. And Cartersville was known for the giant swing into the farm pond. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's any evidence that I went on that swing. But uh, nor nor did I claim to see any public nudity when that swing was happening. <laughs> it's also Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. How ironic! And uh, every time I hear the word Law Enforcement Appreciation Day, all I can think of is the movie Fletch when he comes out and says. Hey, hug a cop, you know, and uh, <laughs> so uh, that'll be a day to hug a cop. And uh, I've got a brother that's in the law enforcement. We've got lots of great friends that are in law enforcement. Um, no doubt we'll be, um, you know, hugging a cop that day. It's not just cops. It's dispatchers, all the people that work in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So Thursday, Ragbride Jersey Day, Charles City. We go to Ionia, New Hampton. Those towns we haven't been to in, in several decades. Lawler is a brand new town. Then through Protovin and up into Cresco. And that's only 55 miles. Starting to get a little bit of climb, though. And then on Friday, College Spirit Day. You going to be wearing Hawkeyes that day, Mark? Absolutely. You got gators on that day? I think I will. Maybe some orange and blue, but I'll I'll be, let's see, Cresco to Wacon, go through a couple of new towns of Castalia and Postville, go through Oshin as well. But, you know, probably the highlight, the meeting town that day will be Decorah. And we haven't been to Decorah since 1999. I think it was 199 degrees that day, according to legend. <laughs> and um, just some, some neat things going on. Obviously, Nordic Fest is a, a massive Scandinavian festival. Um, but there's also some other things. I think we got a few breweries in that area, don't we? Yeah. Toppling, toppling Goliath is their, uh, TG. Um, they're, they're kind of world famous for their beers. So I think everybody's going to be excited yeah. to, uh, stop by the tap room. And if you can't get in there or you're looking for something different, Pulpit Rock right across the street from there. So we've got a kind of a one, two punch of breweries on the early morning to get you going on that Friday college spirit day. And then the River Day, Saturday, which will be basically 45 miles, 3,200 feet of climb from Wacon to Lansing, going through Waterville, Yellow River Forest, Harper's Ferry, if you want to dip your tires there. And then that final uh, little leg along the Great River Road that'll go into Lansing, Iowa, population 999. So 411 miles of Ragbri, there you have it. You ready for that? I think it's going to be great. I, I just had somebody approach me this weekend and say, hey, uh, I want to hear about this ride a little bit more. So cool. people are getting excited. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the show. I know we've got a couple of different guests. For people that are thinking about doing this ride and need a little training help, I talked to Coach Dave Ertle. 
who works with a lot of local cyclists, not just racers, but people that are just trying to improve their cycling or, or getting to know the bike a little bit. And it's not just for rag ride training. Any type of ride that's a multi-day ride, Dave's going to talk you through about some training tips and also lay out a training plan if you're if you're so in tune that you're ready to start training for rag ride. So um, any training tips that you can give people 411 miles, Mark? You know, I, I think ride early, ride often. I think that's the big key to it, isn't it? Yeah. Nothing nothing can make up for saddle time. So, <laughs> Except for youth. Youth can make up for saddle well, time anytime. Yeah, the lack of fatigue of, of, of us older people, I guess. Um, so. Right. But I, I talk about youthful exuberance. It doesn't matter what age, whatever. Um, Kyle Munson interviewed a, a gentleman, if you will, by goes by the handle ultra romance. And I, I think, you, you know, you can kind of get the drift that this guy is a very modest uh, individual, but <laughs> he basically is just a free spirit. And when I saw him on the cover of bicycling magazine, a few months back, I'm like, this cat is outrageous. And um, he's got kind of a flowing mane of hair, probably doesn't when we look in the mirror, I don't think we're looking at flowing mane of hair. What do you think, Mark? Is ultra you know, romance uh, someone that that we can look up to and say that's some beautiful hair? You know, I just uh, I just pulled him up on uh, on uh, Instagram, and and this is a this is a character. <laughs> you know, the bike world needs more characters, and um, <laughs> you know, it's it's stuff like you know what we talk about the fun stuff of cycling and i tell you what i want to ride with this guy because <laughs> he looks like he's having a great time and it's it's simply the bicycle is is a toy and he's out there enjoying it it's a it could be a mode of transportation it could be a lot of things but this guy ultra romance has fun riding his bike so hey let's you know what lots of good stuff on the show so why don't we just dive right into it so ultra romance and dave earl coming right up hey welcome to the just go bike podcast uh, kyle munson here and today i'm talking with a man named johnny wheeler also known as benedict wheeler better known to his legions of instagram followers and magazine photographers as ultra romance the 36-year-old Wheeler is famous for his nomadic life on two wheels. He spends about half the year working so that he can spend the other six months on his bike, usually without a shirt. He claims to have never spent more than three days off a bike as he promotes what he calls, quote, a more relaxed, centric form of biking. So I am pleased to have Benedict, Johnny, Ultra, here on the podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kyle. It's wonderful being here. So where have I caught you today on your travels? Uh, you've caught me in uh, California, uh, the Bay Area, where uh, we had come up for a, a talk that my partner was giving um, on climate change in Tibet. And uh, But she ended up breaking her collarbone while we were up here. So we're here for a little bit longer than we had previously uh, planned for. Oh, wow. But, well, I, I, hope, I hope it heals fast. So Yeah, she's she's tough. She's tough. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by your life, um, and, and people, and, and I'm not alone. Obviously, uh, people follow your adventures on Instagram, online, everywhere. You've, I mean, there have been some fascinating stories and videos out there about you. Did you ever imagine that you would be uh, living like this when you were a kid growing up, uh, pedaling along? I don't know if you used training wheels at one point. Did you ever, in elementary school, did you ever imagine your life like this? Uh, certainly not. You know, I'd always had a, uh, kind of an alternative, um, 
example of what working is as my father uh, being a, a fishing captain who I later ended up working for and living a similar life. But, you know, he always worked for half the year and then uh, <laughs> did God knows what down in Florida or the Keys the rest of the year. We <laughs> never really found out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, So, yeah, you know, that was kind of presented to me early on. You know, he, he had he had done that my entire life. Um, so, you know, when I got into bicycles, uh, I was kind of late to learn seven years old. My, my sister, who's three years younger than me, actually taught me how to ride a bike. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, and as kind of like a gangly, awkward, uh, you know, over, uh, overgrown kid, it was, uh, something that I could do that wasn't a ball sport, you know, and, um, I just stuck with it. And by the time I got into high school, I was picturing myself as a professional mountain bike racer. And, uh, I ended up going to college in Fort, Fort Lewis in Durango, Colorado, cause they had the best, uh, mountain bike team, collegiate mountain bike team in the country. And, uh, and then right when that, right when I got into the college there, I just realized it was too serious and, uh, actually got into bodybuilding of all things <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> would still ride for, for my cardio, you know, but no, no longer than 45 minutes, you start burning muscle, you know, you can't be doing that as a bodybuilder. And, uh, that lasted, uh, you know, I guess until I moved to Austin where I got back into road racing and, um, and yeah, still then, you know, did not picture this being, uh, you know, my stem was a good foot lower than my saddle height and, uh, you know, everything was shaved <laughs> and, um, hmm. everything in the name of being more European than the next rider. Uh, so, so I kind of liked that, that, uh, I kind of liked, like that about road racing is just how obscure and European it was at the time. And I got disenchanted with that after realizing that that wasn't going anywhere and just started bike touring out of necessity, I suppose, just wanting not to work all that much and living cheaply and relaxation stuff, you know, being able to afford good food while not paying rent and just seemed like a I love camping, so just all kind of fit together like that. But as far as imagining myself here right now, even five, ten years ago, I don't think I would recognize myself, honestly. <laughs> wow. And so it all kind of started, I think it was, what, a, a sort of a fishing village of, of Clinton, Connecticut? Is that where you grew up? Uh, that, is, that is correct, yeah. So yeah. Do you still spend, is that where you still earn money for half of the year? Do you still work on the fishing I, boats, that sort of a thing? Uh, you know, fortunately enough, you know, the the... While I do appreciate the, the liberties uh, uh, and opportunities that that fishing boat afforded me, it's not something that <laughs> I enjoyed. Uh, so it's it's nice uh, nice to not have to do that. And this is like maybe the second summer where I haven't had to go back and, and, and work on the boat because I'm able to, uh, uh, you know, um, earn enough through my sponsors and uh, selling stuff and, you know, just kind of doing this weird Instagram thing that uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so you've gone full-time biking then so you're able full to full-time yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I am a professional cyclist for the first time in my life <laughs> well, well it's interesting you're kind of this professional professional zen cyclist or something because it's all about it's, I mean you're not out there racing I don't think it's more about promoting this vision for how people I mean you talk about the bicycle as this transformative social tool from what I've right. heard and so that's yeah, kind absolutely. of what your business is, is to, uh, I guess, a bike evangelist. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Uh, 
the bicycle has been a constant in my life since I was, since my sister taught me when I was seven. And, uh, it's, it's something I got into, you know, and, and, you know, I never got out of it. And, uh, it's, it's given me so much, so much joy and, you know, all of my, all of my most wonderful moments in life have been on the bicycle and not racing bicycles and not in, you know, not in uh, purpose built bicycles for only racing or, you know, for doing, you know, certain things. It's, it's always been just going out and having a great time and using the bicycle as like a tool to stay young forever and always have those sentiments of somebody who's just out and about and just enjoying life and, and never like, uh, you know, it's, it's kept me away from ever owning a car. It's kept me away from getting a, I guess I do have a driver's license, but no one would ever let me use it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about yeah. some of these amazing travels. And like you say, okay. you're, I mean, uh, you're not pinned down. You're on the bike. You're, you're always right, sort right. of rolling uh, from place mm-hmm. to place. I've mm-hmm. I've read um, allusions to your travels in Norway, all around the globe. Mm-hmm. Things like uh, in your wanderings, you end up drinking your own urine if necessary, <laughs> or whatever it might be. I'll never I'm, I'll never live that one down. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm asking about it. But what what are some of I mean, what are just some of the uh, things that come to mind from all your riding around the globe? Okay, well, uh, um, so. I suppose part of being like a part of living on the bicycle um, where I realized that that was like the best, that was the best fit for me. What I did best was get up every morning, light a fire, cook my breakfast and just head out for the day and, you know, take a bunch of snack breaks, take some photos and just really enjoy the day and see where it takes me, you know? And, and um, I've kind of uh, applied that to, you know, international travel and things like that. And I've, I come from a, a, a backpacking background, uh, an ultra lightweight backpacking background, which is, uh, which is strange to see where a lot of the times how I tour is with everything in the kitchen sink, just cause I like to be so comfortable. But, uh, yeah, I found that when you roll all that weight, it's a lot easier, but you know, I, I, you get into some pretty, uh, um, you get into some pretty interesting scenarios when you're lightweight backpacking. And, uh, so I kind of had that kind of have that, uh, background and applying it to cycling. You, get tend to get into you know on the bike you get out further and further than you do backpacking so that's one of the pluses but one of the negatives i suppose is that the uh, consequences are that much more mm-hmm. uh where you end up drinking your urine and things like that <laughs> <laughs> you want to know but yeah you know you, you get you, it takes a there's a there's a learning curve you know and I'm, I'm i feel fortunate that i've i have learned from all of my mistakes over the years uh, of bike touring and, and and backpacking and whatnot. And, and it's gotten to me where I am today, where I can make informed decisions on how much water to bring, how much food to bring, uh, you know, bike setups, tires, you know, uh, luggage, everything. And so, um, so yeah, you know, like, uh, when you set out in uh, New Zealand, Norway, uh, Columbia and the places that I, I've been in the last, I guess, last two years there, it's, uh, um, you could really, uh, with that experience, you could really bring it and have a, a really, really nice time. And it's not even that it's um, experience that someone else can't attain through actually experiencing the uh, or, or doing, you know, what I'm doing. Like, I, I feel um, that we have such a community now through social media and, and blogs and things like that. You, you could 
you can talk down on that stuff all you want if you're a purist, but it, it's a wonderful thing to get people engaged and um, inspired to get out in nature and, and, and do what's what I feel is good for them. Uh, uh, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to, uh, uh, um, to, uh, contribute to that. Well, at this point, what is your favorite place to bike? A lot of people think that adventure is what, uh, inspires me and mm-hmm. what keeps me going and, and what I strive for. But that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. I, I, I'd like to live, I like to eat really good food. That's my, uh, why I mean, good food is what most people think is bird food. I'm sure, but you know, I, I, I like to, have, I like to. Uh, so I, I have, you know, I could travel out of the country for you know maybe two weeks tops. As anybody who knows me will say, one week because I can't do without Whole Foods. But the, uh, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I know who I am. But the, uh, <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm very partial to where I like to tour with the access to uh, natural food co-ops and. Uh, farmers markets and stuff like that cliche things like that so the um i you know vermont is a really wonderful place for me because Mm. you never go you can really get out into the backwoods uh backwoods as far as new england goes where it's just abandoned really once lived in now abandoned old how old homes really quiet uh country roads you know carriage Mm -hmm. roads uh and you will never go more than you know 12 hours of riding without coming across some kind of quaint little farm stand with, you know, sourdough, maple syrup, something for sale. Uh, that's what I look for. <laughs> um, Ca- California is another great spot. Uh, I, I, I could keep on listening. I, re- I do really love the desert, though. Touring in the desert is perhaps the most enjoyable just because you don't get wet, you know, and, and uh, your stuff doesn't get damp during the night. Everything lights on fire for if you want to burn shit. And... Uh, <laughs> And, um, and the days are nice, crisp and sunny in the, you know, in the winter time. So I, I tend to spend a lot of the time in the desert in my off season well, or <laughs> what used to be my off season when I worked on the boat, but yeah, wintertime, desert, summertime, I'd have to say Vermont. That's great. Yeah. The desert, uh, you stay dry, but there are fewer whole foods. So that's yeah, the that's thing. A, that's you know, balance, they, yeah. They've got to do, I, you know, John Mackey, if you're listening, give me a call figure something out <laughs> so i mean i've read i've read accounts before where at one point i don't know when you earned money you were like mm-hmm. burying it in bags in a relative's backyard or something <laughs> like that but it sounds like at this point you're more of a i mean you have this independent organization i mean you've obviously you've got a phone and you've got these sponsorships so where right, is your right. home where is your home um, base at this time i'm very successful now so yes i have the most expensive iphone <laughs> <laughs> iPhone seven plus two hundred and fifty six gig. Nice. So you can you're, yeah, you're never yeah. without space <laughs> for really a fo- nice. photograph That's when really you're out nice. there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, I used to. Uh, yeah. I definitely kind of. Um, I, I don't. You know. I, I suppose some of that has come some come from my father also. Uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> burying money and things like that. It's, it's a, not a family secret. I, I'm sure I'll come across something uh, like a treasure map from him <laughs> 30 <laughs> years from now. But <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the, uh, I don't know what that was about. It was just, I, I think like my, uh, my post college years were spent kind of being paranoid of the government and things like that. Where <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of, I've slipped out of it a bit. There's now. a lot of talk I, about that now, but you know, that's, yeah, that's, now, that's, that's now, another yeah, topic. Of all, <laughs> yeah. Of all times, I've just, of all times. Yeah. Now I feel safe. Yeah. 
Well, so is Clinton is Clinton your headquarters then, or is it the Bay Area, or is it Austin? Because I know you've spent time in all yeah, these places. You know, you know. Um, previously, I had uh, um, when I when I had to do this before I was a professional cyclist with an iPhone Seven Plus, two hundred fifty six gig. I had to really be a lot more frugal with my money, and so uh, leaving bikes all over the country was kind of like my answer to that. So hmm. instead of I don't I don't necessarily like to. Uh, 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 bike the the long um, the long stretches of uninspiring terrain that lie between uh, the two coasts, really. <laughs> so the mid Midwest, namely. You're breaking and, my heart uh, as a Midwesterner. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's long stretches without Whole Foods out there, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's not it's not your fault. Oh, we. There, there are there are a few. We have some good co-ops. So yeah, that's some good co-ops. <laughs> um, uh, but so you know, I uh, traveling between. I was uh, based loosely based out of Austin. I had a number of um, uh, tool sheds that friends would allow me to stay in for uh, the duration of the winter, and I would just kind of use that as a, a landing pad for wherever I was going, mm-hmm. and fly out fly out of Austin to wherever my other bikes were stashed. Uh, I had a few in the bay a few in Durango, Colorado, um, a few in Los Angeles, a few in, uh, yeah, a few in, on the East coast. And so, yeah, I would just kind of like circulate throughout those areas, uh, uh, via rail or, or, or airplane and not have to worry about traveling with the bike, which is, um, now that I'm more sponsor oriented with the, with, with specialized and whatnot, you know, you have to have a certain bike for each thing. So I'm traveling on the plane with a bike a lot more now, which is, mm. Certainly not ideal. Uh, certainly not ideal. So, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I had a lot of home bases back then, just because of where I would friends where I would leave stuff really, and uh, I would just kind of. Luckily, a lot of them were the same size as me, so they got to use, the <laughs> use the bikes also. So it was no sweat up their back. Uh, you're like to, to my knowledge, <laughs> you're like James Bond with like gadgets and gear everywhere, just kind of stashed yeah, exactly. away. <laughs> I like that, and I like that, Kyle. Yeah, I'm like James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would I would encourage you anytime you want to come bike in the Midwest. Uh, you know, uh, as, you as a podcast, we we ram we roam all around the nation and, and beyond. Right, right. But but uh-huh. you know, kind of where we see the Midwest is the cradle and the heart of everyday bicycling in America for no, a lot of reasons. I let, I, okay, I I'd, I'd like to explore that more. You know, I I I see the Midwest as temperature extremes, lows and highs, mm-hmm. with with no Whole Foods. You know, <laughs> there That's are a few. I, there are a few Whole Foods, few. but but you're right. I can't. I, I, I can't yeah. deny the temperature extremes. It's it's hot and humid, and it's frigid and yeah, bone chillingly yeah, yeah. cold. So uh, yeah, I, I am I am doing the Dirty Kansas this year in June. So I, I will get. A, uh, I I rode through Kansas uh, on my first long term long bike tour right out of college, and uh, riding the. The bicentennial route, and I told myself that I would never ride in Kansas again. I said, if I ever do this this route, like the whole thing, that I would just take a train through Kansas or whatever. But (laughs) you know, I'm I'm (laughs) I'm open to so much more now. You know, I'm open to so much more. The the things that my iPhone Seven Plus. 256 gig have shown me <laughs> that's three times now that's a, got, that's, a very successful Kyle that's yeah. a, <laughs> I was going to ask you about you know your rides you're looking forward to this year is it kind of programmed out or how much will you just let serendipity take you 
Uh, there certainly there are aspects of both where things are are, are more uh, dictated to me and and and, and serendipitous also where I, I kind of have um, traveling with my partner this year has been really great uh, because uh, last year uh, I guess we, we've been together for about three years now but last year I would have to um, I would we were based out of she's also from Connecticut hmm. via India via Tibet and hmm. so um, of all places I met her and she's probably probably the only woman i had ever seen in connecticut so it's it's, it's a pretty quiet place <laughs> wow <laughs> pretty lon- lonely quiet place in short and claim connecticut are a little <laughs> little area uh i and so um even if she wasn't the only woman we still would have fallen in love she's a wonderful person oh, and uh but uh and it's been been really great not to have to fly back and forth to see her every two weeks uh and actually be out with her and have have the have these shared experiences whereas before they were a lot a lot of solitary stuff that i i used to used to uh, that i used to do and so um with her along it's been more dictated by where she was going to be giving her talks her climate change talks because she wanted to kind of incorporate that into her touring experience kind of a purpose thing and so um so aside from that it's been a lot of like We'll be in an area, and um, if I can link up like some cool roads to link together an area, that's great. I like to link up roads and public transportation across the the less inspiring spots. Not ne- not necessarily always the Midwest. I'm saying you know mm-hmm. you got plenty of plenty of those spots in Texas, and uh, yeah, probably more of those spots in Texas. <laughs> it's a t- right. That's one of the wor- worst places to ride your bike across. Is Texas that west. <laughs> West Texas lasts forever. Takes a while. Uh, yeah. It takes a while, and this, the wind is always blowing forty miles an hour at your face, and that's not good for my complexion. <laughs> you know, it drives me out. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, so, yeah, we kind of, uh, yeah, serendipity. You know, serendipity kind of takes us to through these areas. We're kind of planning it like day by day how we feel. We always, I always like to have bailouts on public transit, whether it be a bus or a train. I really love utilizing. Amtrak's network. Um, where as far as like stuff that's more planned out is the stuff that I do with Yonder Journal or this thing with uh, Dirty Kanza. Uh, that's kind of I wanted. I want a place relative. If I'm going to do this, I want to be able to do it well. So I'm kind of I'm kind of shifting more from rela- full on relaxation cycling, being the you know the mm-hmm. the uh, the I like yeah you know the undisputed king of relaxation cycling sports i like that to to um to something that might not be all that much fun to me uh when i imagine it but i i it's changed it up a little bit i love all forms of cycling you know it's it's uh um i just love riding bikes and so this this could be fun also so yeah yeah, i'm gonna kind of start training for this stuff now focus less on um you know touring on dirt like 20 miles a day and more on <laughs> riding light, lighter bikes and trying to get a few 200 milers in, which is crazy to me right now, but <laughs> ask me that a few months. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it sounds like, you know, you're a man, as you know, you're a man of a certain age and you're in love and you've got this partner mm-hmm. who does important work. And it sounds like yeah. maybe, you know, ultra romance, the, the nomad might become, uh, who knows, might even settle down one day or, or something. You never know. Right, right, right. You might have a home I, built of bicycle frames or something uh, like that. Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> a home to match my iPhone 7 Plus 256. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
I better get a cut of this. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, you, I, I often think about that. And it happens. It almost happens every once in a while. We rented a place for six months last year. I And uh, I it's it's a foreign concept to me. Really, I haven't, you know, since, since graduating high school um, in 1998, 99 can't remember yeah 98 i haven't you know i haven't been in one place longer than longer than six months and so it's uh it's been kind of like uh yeah that's gonna be tough because that's been a while so but i think i can do it you know i just needed a nice barn where i could hang a lot of the times i like tinkering with my bicycles and setting them up and and just you know tinkering we'll just say straight up tinkering with the bicycles so i just like to have all that stuff in one place and just work on it and work on products and things like that. I could definitely see that in the near future. Yeah, that's great. You know, I've got yeah. my listeners would uh, would complain if I didn't ask this. The uh-huh. genesis of Ultra Romance, the name. What was the? What was that? <laughs> oh, that goes way back, really. Uh, um, the genesis is is would begin with a. Uh, fantasy power metal band if, if our listeners aren't um aren't familiar with these type of bands i would look up probably the uh uh, uh war would be one of the first ones i got into then i moved okay. on to secret sphere rhapsody and flames uh, uh blind guardian very much things that i wasn't i wasn't you'd listen to them on like a car stereo or something and you pull up to a stoplight and you turn it way down so no one hears you (laughs) that's awesome i can hear i can just hear our producer brian building a playlist right now (laughs) yeah do it do it up yeah (laughs) uh so uh, (laughs) but i always found them very eurocentric so i always especially in the road racing days that really you know more european the better european confusion has been a constant in my life and so the uh so um ultra romance was my name in my very first uh fantasy metal band called chivalry which was in uh <laughs> high school uh we were just called really nice we were just really nice guys no. <laughs> and <laughs> uh my we had, we had uh, i think the guitarist name was gallantry fair manor uh, we had, uh, we had chastity. The, yeah, the, the other guitarist was chastity and he, he just played a sadistic game of abstinence. That was his, <laughs> <laughs> not, not by choice. Uh, and, uh, and I was, uh, I was Rubio romance, uh, the, uh, the blonde, the blonde romance. And so the, uh, so it was always, um, and then I, I had a, a stint in college there where I thought, where I started, stopped taking exercise science classes and started taking acting classes because I thought I was going to be a, a soap opera actor in Hollywood. And so <laughs> I, I, it was just kind of been like this kind of uh, quasi joke, uh, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, romance novel, uh, <laughs> soap actor <laughs> that's been a constant in my life. And it's always been uh, that. Rubio or romance or that, you know, ultra mega turbo thing is always just kind of circulated throughout. So yeah, that's kind of where all that all comes that's from. That's great. Well, you, you win, <laughs> you win. I would not have anticipated yeah. that answer. I, I like no, that. No. Uh, yeah. well, I could, I could talk forever, uh, Benedict, but, um, I've got to go. 
And th- thanks so much for sitting down with us and taking a little time yeah. out of your uh, journey uh, as yeah, you yeah. as you are on the you know West Coast, and we'll make your way to I guess for a little bit of Midwest biking this this year. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's one question I, we ask all the guests on okay. the Just Go Bike podcast, and I think you're going to like this based on what I know about you now as a food connoisseur. What is your <laughs> What is your favorite kind of pie? Favorite kind of pie? Wow. Well, you know. Um, uh, I really wow, that is a tough question. Mm. I can answer. Uh, my mo- my mom is an expert pie maker, ah. uh, and uh, and she, of course, the apple pie, strawberry rhubarb, and pumpkin pie. Those are my three. Wow, that's you. I think you're the first person to answer that with three different kinds. Three, so that, that shows how it's, deeply it's, you yeah, love pie. <laughs> seasonal, you know, strawberry rhubarb. That's your that's your spring into summer. That's how you know it's spring and summer. Yep. And, uh, you know, your apple pie, you know, it's fall and pumpkin pie, you know, it's winter wow. and you know, who really eats pie after that? <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> then, you, then you, then you go into hibernation and you wake up yeah, and start it all hibernation, over again. <laughs> yeah. Then you got to work it off and then you yeah, do it all over again. Get those abs. Uh, well, this is so awesome. Thank you so much, Ultra Romance, for taking the time. Uh, happy trails ahead, and uh, I hope uh, the collarbone, it was a collarbone, I hope the collarbone heals. Yes, yeah, it'll heal right up. And uh, we will see you down the road. Okay, thank you, Kyle. Well, hello, this is TJ with Just Go Bike Podcast, and our guest today is Coach David Ertle, who uh, serves as the training coach for RAGBRAI, but he's also well-known in the Des Moines area for working with, with tons of cyclists over the years. How you doing, David? I'm doing well. Thanks. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your cycling cred, if you will. How do you get started in the activity or the sport, and how do you got to the point today of, of working with different athletes? Well, I don't know if I remember a time when I didn't ride. I got my first bike when I was four years old, and that was my main recreation as a kid, just riding around the neighborhood with the my friends. And um, I got more and more into it and more serious about it and began racing when I was 15 years old. And this year marks my 45th year of racing. So. <laughs> oh, wow. So you have a look, 45, that kind of sounds familiar. That was the year that RAGBRAI started. So you've oh, really? been racing as long as we've been putting on this little event called RAGBRAI. So I'm guessing you're, what, 47, 48 years old by now. Yeah, so, something like that. Yeah, so, uh, so you started racing, gotten into racing. Now you, you still race, is that correct? Yeah, I do some. Um, okay. As time permits and okay. schedules permit. But I, I stay active. I still train with my team, and I... I've gotten more involved in coaching. I began coaching in 2002, uh, just some local riders, and then I got more involved, and I now coach with a national coaching group and have international cyclists that I work with virtually through the Internet and through things like Skype. Good. So you're working with racers as well as people that are just kind of recreational cyclists Mm -hmm. that want to get a little bit better on the bike. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, One of my other coaching responsibilities is working with the JDRF Ride to Cure Diabetes Program. I'm one of the national coaches for that. And a lot of those riders are, are beginners, very similar to what RAGBRAI riders might be in terms of sometimes having to go out and buy a bike to do it. And so we teach them and train them to work up to 100-mile rides. Great. Well, that's a great starting point. I know, you know, we're not just here to talk about RAGBRAI, but there's lots of people out there that just basically said, hey, I I really like the fact that, you know, my husband or my wife is into cycling. I want to start off 
They might have just got their first bike, but maybe they're a little intimidated about going out and saying, hey, I'm going to go do a ride, a ride for the cure or, or Ragbri mm-hmm. or, or one of these other rides. So what kind of advice right off the bat would you give someone that's, that's just starting off? Well, I'll give you one of my secrets of coaching for free here. And that is if you're going to ride a long ways, like a hundred mile ride or a seven day ride across Iowa, you need to ride your bike a lot. I mean, that sounds obvious, but for that kind of riding, that's the main thing you need to do is get your body used to sitting on the bike and pedaling for hours at a time. You don't have to be fast. You just have to be consistent and steady and develop not only your legs, but the rest of your body's ability to handle sitting on that bike in that little skinny seat for several hours at a time. Now, some people will say, does does that equate to even doing, say, a spin class or something along that line? I And, and I know my answer is, I'm curious of your answer as far as how does that equate to actually getting out with the wind in your hair and the sun on your face and, and actually getting out and riding? Mm-hmm. Well, spin classes are great for especially in the winter for training, keeping in shape. They do wonders for your aerobic system and your legs. But again, yeah, it's not, it's never the same as riding outside. I don't know what it is, but I, I train hard all winter, and yet I get outside in the road, and it's, it's different. It's harder. Yep. And um, I attribute that to what I call the four H's of, of RAGBRAI, and it's not doesn't have anything to do with the agricultural 4-H program. It has to do with hills, headwinds, heat, and humidity. You don't get those on a spin bike, do you? <laughs> well, you might get the heat or humidity, but... <laughs> That's true. Um, sometimes it's not the distance so much as some of these other factors that, like that day where it's just a long, hot day and the wind's in your face and, you know, there's no, no substitute for getting out and just riding in those conditions. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say... Uh, well, I hear this all the time that, that cycling, uh, the mental part of cycling is is a tremendous part of cycling. And you see people that are, you know, that, that quit on a hill or that just, you know, just say they can't go on. Um, in your mind, the cycling mind, how important is that as far as, as people riding bikes? Well, it's it's really important, especially as you get tired or as if you're doing a competitive type of event like a triathlon or some sort of a bike race. Um, when it gets hard, you know, you have to keep plugging away. Or if, if you're out there on an 80-mile day in the middle of July on Ragbri and you're at mile 60 and want to quit, you know, there's times where you just have to keep plugging away. And I tell people that hills are mostly mental. How many times have you been riding with somebody and they look up ahead and see a hill and they go, oh, hell, they've already lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you go out, and I tell people to go out and ride hills. And a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy. But the more you ride them, the more confident you get. And you actually can get better at doing it. And if nothing else, when you see one, for example, on Ragbri, late in the afternoon, hopefully you'll have the, the knowledge that your body can make it up at. Yeah. 
Well, the, that little challenge or that, that inner self that says, hey, it's raining today. I'm going to go out and ride. Hey, I'm going to ride some hills. Uh, I think all those things that you start ticking those off and saying, hey, I can, I can do this. I can ride in the rain. I can ride up hills. I can ride downhills. Uh, all those things are important as, as you start, um, you know, training for a large-scale event or an event like Ragbri. Um, one, of the, one of the other things um, that, that we see, people seeing the route this year, they're looking at compared to last year, which was a very hilly, um, lots of rollers and stuff like that. People just say, oh, I don't even need to train. But all of a sudden, like you said, the four H's kick in and all of a sudden headwind, which is probably one of the most mentally defeating elements that there mm -hmm. can be. So any advice for training into headwinds or training for headwinds uh, on the flats? Well, first of all, I'll say that 411 miles, I don't care who you are, that's a long way to ride a bike in one week. Sure. So don't dismiss the fact that this... I'm just a third messenger, don't short, you? I know, <laughs> but I've, I've read your website. Yeah. <laughs> The third shortest, the third easiest, supposedly, but again, the weather comes into play, and headwinds are invisible, and they can be really frustrating. Um, again, you know, I see a lot of people go out early in the mornings to train before it gets hot. I would suggest at least once a week get out on a Sunday afternoon when it is hot and windy and experience what it's going to be like and kind of get psyched up to ride in those conditions, because you will be. Um, but, uh, you know, I was looking at your statistics of the, this year's RAGBRAI and 13,000 feet of climbing, third least hilly, but again, 13,000 feet, that's 45% up Mount Everest. So there that's still go. a lot of vertical. There you go. And you're going to run into hills probably at times when you don't want them, but especially the last day, I imagine, will be quite yep. hilly. So... You know, I tell people the difference between riding and training is training, you go out and look for hills on purpose. And riding, you avoid them. So, <laughs> you know, you if go. you want to get better, if you want to do, first of all, if you want to make it through RAGBRAI, whatever your distance goal, you need to get out, get your legs, but not just your legs, your arms, shoulders, back, neck, and most importantly, your, your own seat, not your bike seat, but your own seat yes. is the thing probably that needs the most toughening up of anything. Another thing that's tough to prepare for for these week-long events, a lot of people might ride, you know, a good long ride on, say, a Saturday, Sunday. They'll take a break, may, may do a, you know, midweek ride, say, a, a Tuesday, Thursday, a short ride. But that consistent getting up every morning when you're sore, when you're fatigued, um, when you didn't get enough sleep the night before, um, any advice as far as getting ready to do seven days in a row of cycling? Well, unless you're lucky and don't have to work, you know, if you work a five-day work week, it's hard to, to get in day after day riding. But the best thing you can do is get up and do a ride on a Saturday, you know, a fairly good distance, and then do it again on Sunday. So at least you get the back-to-back -back effect of two days in a row. Yeah, you're forcing yourself to ride on Sunday when you're probably still feeling the effects of Saturday. Um, but then consistency through the week, even if it's only a 10-mile ride, um, during the week, try to get out there as often. You know, there's there's frequency and there's duration. So the two of them together makes up your total volume of riding. And the goal is to get as much riding in as you can. And if you can't do long rides, do more short rides. Okay. So when that starts today, we're probably you know we're in early spring right now. Uh, 
feeling feeling a little bit more like late spring, but but still, um, someone that just bought a bike, there there's several months, you know, good 140 days until Ragbury or so. Um, should they be worried right now? Like, hey, I haven't trained throughout the winter. Is there still plenty of time to train in your in your estimation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, four months at least of of good riding time here, and uh, even if you've never ridden. A bike. If you just got a bike for the first time, you know, you can still do it. And uh, the thing is to get out and start riding as soon as you can and start slowly. Um, if you're new at it, five miles the first ride is okay, five to ten. Um, every year I put out a, a real popular post on the Ragbri training blog on uh, a training plan, which a lot of people enjoy, and it it's, provides guidelines on how much you should increase each week how long your longest ride should be each week. And it's surprising. You can start out at five miles now and be up to 100-mile rides by time July rolls around. It's a good feeling reading some of the responses. I know you've gotten a few emails and, and notes from people that said, hey, I followed your training blog, and it led to my success. I know you've had you know, several years that you've been working mm-hmm. with us to get some rag riders ready. So any, any highlights of one or two store, quick stories of some of those just, just little anecdotes? Well, for, for whatever reason, people seem to like to print it off and stick it on their refrigerator and keep it in front of them. And, you know, it's nothing magical. It's just a very systematic progression of riding each week leading up to rag And when you look at it that way, it's not so daunting. Um, you do a five-mile ride today. You do a seven-mile ride the next day, and you know it doesn't take long before you've you've progressed. And um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of comments, including a, a neighbor who said she followed it and didn't even know I was the rag ride coach. <laughs> well, good. Oh, good. Well, there's other people that have been riding for a couple of years, and they've reached that point that said, "Hey, I want to I want to get a little bit better on the bike. Uh, I might tackle something like." The Keras Loop, or you know, I, I want to do a a century with with perhaps five hours on the bike. And any kind of advice as far as saying, hey, what are some of the things that you might be thinking of to just get better on the bike? Yeah, there's several things. Um, once you know you can do the distance, and you know, I'd like to reiterate that just about any healthy person can make it through all the ragbri. You don't have to have any special abilities. You just have to put in some preparation. But for those who have done it, know they can do the distance and now want to get better, regardless of how they define better. It could be keeping up with their friend. It could be beating their friend up a hill. Um, Like you say, doing a six-hour century or just making the Keras Loop one year could be a goal. So um, there's a number of things you can do, and I'll be touching on these throughout the season on my training blog. But um, there's different ways of attacking hills that you can work on to improve that aspect of your riding. Um, Riding with friends who are a little faster than you is a great way to get faster yourself. There are, you know, if you want to get more serious, there's interval training that you can do. I don't recommend that for the average casual cyclist, but if you're one of those people that want to get faster, that's a good way to do it. And I I can explain how that works in my blogs. but there's also a lot of other rides around, too, that some organized tours that you can join. Uh, the Century seems to be a, f- a popular distance, or the Metric Century, which is 100 kilometers or 62 miles. Those are good preparatory 
type rides you can do. And sometimes, um, because they're less crowded, you can actually make good time on the road. So if you're after a personal best, for example, you might look into those kind of rides. Yep. We always say there's no podiums on Ragbri. It's uh, it's more of a mental podium of reaching the river, and um, which is fine. We just think everyone's a winner. Um, it's good to see though people. I mean, I've I've I get notes as well that said, you know, I was, you know, I was 380 pounds when I started training for Ragbri. You know, today I'm I'm a lean and mean 250, and it's like, you know, you f- you feel good when you when you read those stories, and you also see people that started off. I mean some of the beginning mistakes that we see uh, or or things that you know they could definitely improve i see people doing the the pedal pedal stop coast you know pedal pedal stop coast and you know you you almost want to say you know hey you you do a lot better if you just kept that continuous pace and you know people wonder why you know the 80 year old uh guy can beat him up the hill by just you know it's almost like tortoise in the hare where just steady as he goes and he just pounds out you know pedal 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 all the way up the hill and um i'm, I'm just amazed at some of the people we see people that are 92 years old that can do all of rag bright and we see you know kids that are seven years old and you know i'm constantly amazed but but obviously the seven-year-old or the 92 year old has got some they got some know-how of how to ride their bike. And um, so that comes, uh, any advice to the people that are just starting off to let them know to stick with it? It, it, They'll start to get the hang of it after a while. Yeah, and the best thing you can do is ride with experienced riders. So pair up with somebody that knows how to ride. I'm sure you can find people in your your neighborhood that or your community that can do that or go to the bike shop. They can help you out. But Probably the most important thing to do is to learn how to use your gears. You're carrying along anywhere from 15 to 20 gears on your bike. You might as well use them. And one of the biggest rookie mistakes I see is people using too hard of a gear because they feel if they use a high high gear, they'll go faster. When in fact, no, they don't go faster. Their legs just go slower, which leads to cramping and fatigue. And if you notice the, the good riders going by, their legs are spinning like they're churning butter, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a reason for that. It's more efficient. Yeah, I I kind of call it the porridge. You want that not too hot, not too cold, just mm-hmm. right. And um, the ones that have been doing it for a while, when you see them go by, it seems like effortlessly they've they're they're in the right gear, and um, that's what you want to shoot for in my, in my estimation. And obviously, you've been riding, you know, forty five years, so you you've probably seen uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly as far as people getting to the point where where they're really good at it, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also know you've got an ebook out there called Pedal Off the Pounds and lots of successful um, stories as far as um, people using that as training methods to take a few pounds off as well as, as on the bike. Any, anything you want to update us on, on that book, Dave? Well, that book, um, you know, an awful lot of cyclists want to lose weight, even the, the elite ones. You know, pounds are precious. You can spend an awful lot of money losing two pounds on your bike. Um, most of us could afford to lose more than that on our bodies. and um, So it's a universal uh, wish is to be leaner and lighter. And uh, so I wrote this book, Pedal Off the Pounds, to help people learn how to manage both riding and having enough energy to ride and yet also being able to lose weight. And five years ago, the Des Moines Cycle Club 
latched onto that and started a program based on the book, but also modeled after The Biggest Loser, where we we recruited writers. Some some of them were beginners, people that just wanted to get in shape and lose weight. And we divided them into four teams, and we had challenges each week between teams and individually who lost the most weight, you know, who was riding the most. And uh, really it was about, it turned out to be very successful, mainly because of the camaraderie and the encouragement everyone gave each other. And uh, it also reminded people that to get involved in exercise and stick with it, it's got to be fun. And riding a bike is fun. You know, when we were kids, the bicycle was our toy, <laughs> yeah. and it still should be. It, it is a toy. So That's this year we're heading into our fifth year of that program, and uh, just amazing results every year. It's just astonishing what some people are able to Good. accomplish. Well, we'll make sure we put links up to that mm-hmm. if people want to get a copy of that. They can check it out, and we'll put it in the show notes um, to make sure people have it. So one question we do ask everyone, since we're talking about food and pedaling off the pounds, we ask everyone that comes on this show, what is their favorite kind of pie? So Dave, if there was one piece of pie left in the world for you, what's that pie? Strawberry rhubarb. Strawberry rhubarb. That is an exotic pie. And I did find one, though. The Amish make good ones. <laughs> oh, outstanding. And that just goes to show you if you, if you pedal and pedal and pedal you can enjoy a few calories here and there is that correct that's right just keep it in balance <laughs> keep it in balance and the same thing i think people ask all the time the the alcohol content as far as you know ragbri a lot of people say oh well are you training for ragbri well you need to do this and that but uh, any advice as far as you know what what does alcohol do to the body as far as while they're training or you know a post ride beer your thoughts? Well, it's not an ideal training food. The the professionals don't use alcohol at all. They but don't? Oh. No. Hmm. Except maybe a glass of champagne to celebrate a big victory. Okay. But, uh, but for us recreational riders, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a beer or on a hot day, even too, after a, a long hot ride. It's, you know, it's, it's some extra calories and you need to think of it as kind of empty calories. Um, but on a ride like that, you can use calories. So... Okay. As long as you keep it within, you know, your limits, it's okay to have. All right. So strawberry rhubarb and maybe maybe a, a, a nice cold Gatorade or something like that on the bike, but maybe yeah. in a celebration of a of a you know a nice cold one afterwards. So, all right. Well. I think your tips are going to help a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are a little bit nervous right now as uh, obviously the snow's going away and we we uh, can see that spring is near. There's going to be some, some flowers popping up in the near future. Lots of people starting to get out on their bikes and, and you know, get the dust off and the cobwebs off. So thank you for coming in, Dave, and uh, we'll see you down the road. All right. Good talking to you. Hey, listeners, we're back. Brian Powers here with Scott Sumter of Bike Iowa. We're going to run through some events happening for the rest of March, take you through uh, bike calendar for the rest of the month. And then, uh, Scott, I hear you did a pretty sweet ride last weekend down in Oklahoma. I think we'll touch on that, too. Definitely. All right, so what we got going on? Uh, what can people expect the rest of March? So we'll pick it up. Uh, we've got some rides all over the state. We'll start with uh, Saturday, March 18th. we got the Icicle Bicycle 2017 ride in Clinton. Um, it's a bicycle tour from Clinton, Iowa to Thompson, Illinois and back. And all profits go to the Riverbend Bicycle Club Scholarship Fund, which provides scholarship for local students for further education. 
They've been doing that for quite a few years, and it's about 23 miles long. The next one, uh, also Saturday, 318, is uh, the Sperm Ride, which stands for St. Patty's Easy Ride in March. When I was looking at the calendar, I was wondering what that, what that acronym was. <laughs> Eye-catching, isn't it? It's uh, 15 to 20 miles. It's hosted by Team Come On Wanalea. The route... <laughs> I'm just reading. I'm just reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's host. Or it's the route is the. They started the Waveland on University. They go to Orlando's and Confluence Brewing, then the Bait Shop, and then they follow the night up with Carl's Place. And I believe there's live entertainment at Carl's Place. I believe, but it's a. It's a. It's one of the uh, uh, great party rides in in early spring around Des Moines area. Uh, Sunday, if you don't have too much of a hangover from the sperm ride, you got the <laughs> Iowa Spring Classic. It starts in coming, and it's a gravel road fondo event. It's 30 to 45 miles, and it's just like seven-mile loops on, on gravel. So it's a, it's a great test of fitness. I mean, there's some fast guys show up, fast women, but if you just kind of want to go out and ride your bike on gravel for a little bit and kind of have the camaraderie, um, come on out. It's a good uh, spectator sport out there too. Coming Tap is, uh, welcomes us every time. Um, let's go to the March 25th, another Saturday. It's a Crush Rock Classic. It's hosted by Ames Velo. Starts at Story County Conservation Center in Mark Farland Park in Ames. It's a six-mile circuit. Again, an, another gravel race slash ride. And I point this one out because all proceeds go to the Boys and Girls Club of America. Oh, that's awesome. They've got a tie with that, and it's and it was really cool. They brought in some kids that they actually helped through these proceeds. A uh, really nice presentation afterwards, and and it just it was a good community builder. Oh, that's there. great! Yeah, uh, new newer team that's kind of kind of getting in touch with the with the racing scene, and definitely's got a, a tabs on the on the community. April first, haha, fifteenth annual April Fools' ride, hosted by Team Corpone and Team Jet Fuel. It starts at the Getaway Bar in Laporte City. And this is actually out of all 15 events, I guess, this is the first one that actually falls on April 1st. Really? So they're super excited about that. It's a 24-mile round trip um, to Fats Pub and Grub in Brandon and back. And it's all pretty much on the Cedar Valley Trail or low traffic roads. Oh, cool. So they're trying to get uh, get a bunch of people out for that one. That one's another good one to, good one to attend. Um, also Saturday, April 1st, we've got a ride that we actually host. It's called the Gents Race. It's the seventh year we've been putting it on. And it starts with the Nighthawk and Slater. And what we call it, it's an unsupported, unsanctioned, unmarshaled five-rider team trial that meets Alley Cat meets Cannonball Run. So it's a it's a team of five. Okay. You sign up, you gotta stay together. So you're really as fast as your slowest person. Okay. When you sign up, slower teams start first. And then the faster teams, it's a staggered start. So faster okay. teams start, the fastest team might start two or three hours after you start. So it's 65 mile gravel ride. Uh, there's a nice, there's a great halfway point that uh, I, won't, I won't say what it is right now, but uh, it, you can, you'll be able to stay there for a while and warm up, drink a little bit, eat a little bit. Um, it's all good. But so it really, any team can win with a staggered start. And mm-hmm. it's, and it's been a really interesting, the last four or five miles, it's fun to watch the teams kind of all come together. Oh, that's cool. The faster teams catch the slower team. So it's really kind of a sprint to the finish. And then it's just a big party at Nighthawk afterwards. That's fun. It's just a good time. So we're giving uh, all the proceeds that we require $15 a product donated to the Furry Friends Refuge in West Des Moines. Yeah, cool. So we give it, give it back to the animals there. Um, 
April 1st is also the 16th annual Q7 Tweed Ride in Iowa City. Hosted by Wanda and her crew with Q7 Cycling, it starts at the Iowa City Brew Lab in Iowa City. Just a leisurely bike ride through Iowa City. I think it's got seven stops with a photo shoot at the Old Capitol. And you have to ride a penny farthing, right? You you must. That's required. Better start on that one early. I don't know if you're going to be able to balance that later on. <laughs> I think there are there there's there's a lot of guys who uh, who do ride the old really? bikes over there. Got the handlebar mustache. Yeah, it's especially Jeez. if Tim, if you're listening, shout out to you. <laughs> Make sure you get your bike lights. <laughs> and um, we'll go into the into uh, Andrea Cohen's. Yeah, um, she she runs a clinic. It's Women with Wrenches. That's an extension of World of Bikes in Iowa City. Okay. And this month she's been running one every month. This one's a fat flexing, fat fixing clinic, and it's really it's it's a lady led group offered for ladies, and the clinic's going to basically teach you how to change a flat tire, what oh, equipment cool. you need, everything like that. And again, ran by Andrea Cohen. Yeah, I was going to say, she she rode with you this past weekend, right? Yep, in the Land Run 100 in Oklahoma, um, Stillwater, Oklahoma. But she got second place woman. Wow. A little bit about the Yeah, talk the about land that run. a little bit. So what, just what is it? The statistics, It's a, I think it's the fifth year. Bobby Wintle owns a bicycle shop called District Bicycles. Bobby and Crystal, his wife. And they're just two super energetic folks, and they've ran this gravel race down there. I mean, you talk about the red dirt, the mud, and everything. And 1,300 people signed up this year, and we kind of knew the weather was going to be kind of rainy, kind of cold. So 1,000 people started, but what's really crazy is only like 140-some finished. Oh, my gosh. So it was a uh, very cold rain most of the ride, mud, gumbo mud, just just wet, nasty. Um, now, I saw some pictures on Instagram yeah. as as you were going down there of, of your signature Bike Iowa spatulas. <laughs> Is this is this a new product that's going to be coming out that we can buy? <laughs> this was something we thought we had a kick out of because I use a spatula on a real muddy ride to, to basically get the mud off the tires and off the chainstay, down tube, all that kind of stuff. So IKEA's got these spatulas like a buck twenty or something. So I bought a whole handful of those and I took them in the back of my jersey pocket and we put bike Iowa stickers on them. And as I was I was riding a fat bike, so I was able to ride through more of the muck than a lot of people. So as I rode by folks, I saw them trying to get the mud off their tires, and I'd take a spatula out of my back jersey pocket and hand it over. It's like, you need a spatula? And they're like, heck yeah, thanks, appreciate it. And I just kept on riding by, and I did that several times, and it was just kind of a kind of a cool feeling, and we just had some fun with the pictures. So how long was the ride? So uh, they had a 50-mile ride and a 100-mile, and I rode the 100-mile. Okay. Um, not quite sure how many people finished the 50 if that 140 was part of that 50 miler, but it took me 10 and a half hours to, to finish that. I think Andrea finished it and maybe an hour ahead of me. Wow. And then uh, Logan Orcutt out of uh, Goldfinch Cycler in Cedar Rapids. He, he was another finisher. So how many, Iowa. how many went down from Iowa? There's about 12 that I counted from Iowa that I, that I knew were, were going okay. down and three of us finished. Wow. So not too bad, I guess the overall, but yeah, I'm still, still washing the bike, washing the gear Nothing's going to be, it's, it's stained for life. So as we sit in the bike shop here at Kyle's, is, is your fat bike going to be on one of those stands pretty it is. soon? It is. It's going to get a complete tear down, brake pads, chain, bottom bracket. Yeah, it, it was, it was ran through the paces this year. Gosh. So what were you doing to prepare for it? I mean, how do you, had you done something like this before? I mean, obviously you did the masters for the Trans-Iowa. How did this compare to that? 
the masters through the trans i was just just longer it wasn't wasn't too bad of of weather i mean this this race pretty much rained from the get-go right on you right to go so so it was 80 degrees the day before so we took a little 20 mile training ride about 80 of us and you're sweating in short sleeves and then this morning so a lot of people underdressed and didn't think about the rain and so the halfway point i was pretty much hypothermic had to have somebody help me unzip my jersey so i could put on two more base layers and i doubled up my gloves and took off again and and you know your your feet are sloshing with water inside there was not a clean and nothing clean you couldn't wipe off the gps you couldn't wipe off your glasses it was it was just kind of a weird feeling of being kind of kind of helpless so you just kept riding and kept looking for tire tracks to where the where the route went wow what was it like i mean so were you by yourself most of the time? Did you pass other people? What were those moments like when you when you passed other folks? Were up, they up until the halfway point? There was you could see people kind of be in front of you and, and behind you. But after the halfway point, I think majority people gave up. So you're kind of out there by yourself most of the time, and then then you're starting to double think: Am I on the right route? Am I? Yeah, I see bike tracks, so I must be on the same, you know. And then every now and then you catch somebody or one person to go by it, but really pretty much went down a just sparse almost really? nobody out there and how'd you finish i actually got first place fat bike which kind of surprised me there, nice. was, there wasn't a whole lot of fat bikers out there but i guess i was just one you know, hey that's still pretty awesome not too smart to, you know everybody else gave up and got rides in with these <laughs> jeeps that would have been actually fun they, they had 17 jeeps as sag vehicles i mean big four-wheel drive so they're out there in the muddy roads and they were giving i think the uh the bike shop paid for their all their gas and really? a uh, jeep wash for this Jeep, Jeep club. It was it, it would have been just fun just to ride in the Jeep in the muddy roads. So what's next on your calendar? Next on the calendar is some uh, some gravel classics, probably. Um, I'll hit the mayor's ride April 15th. Uh, Trans-Iowa is coming up. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about that. Oh, we'll we'll get into that next month for sure. There's a good uh, good ride in, in Colorado. Triple bypass. Yes, yes. Just wanted to mention that because that, that, if you are interested in a bucket list event, um, this one's on pavement. Um the registration it it fills up fast, so I'm gonna say late April. This they'll probably be closed with the registration, but it's it's a 120 miles over three different mountain passes and over 10,000 feet of climbing. I've heard is absolutely stunning. It, it is just just I mean you don't even I don't know, you, I don't want to say you don't even think about the hills, but you <laughs> you definitely feel the hills. But the, but just the scenery and the and the people and great support, all sorts of food at the stops. Wow. Um, it's, it's just, it's just and, neat. And there's a, there's a double triple bypass. If you do it, you do it west and then you, you can do it you, back east. You can do Saturday and you can do Sunday and, uh, yeah, you can, you can do Saturday or Sunday or both. And so it's 240 miles and 20,000 feet of climb if you really want to challenge. But yeah, that, that was, it, it, it's a good, it's a good event too. But I, I just mentioned that just cause it does fill up and, uh, but it's, it's a great bucket list. I mean. It's challenging, but anybody can really just do it. So to somebody who would say, well, I live in Iowa. How do I train for 20,000 feet of climb in two days? I mean, I, to find that on gravel roads is the only place you're going to find it, or unless you go to the coasts, I would assume. Yep. Um, Coast of Iowa, that is. Yeah. Exa- really, <laughs> it's, it's like Madison County is kind of where I would go for, for gravel. I mean, I you know we're in Ankeny right now, and I mean, it's just pretty much flat grid work up here. <laughs> Um, I find some short punchy hills and like McCray park down in Des Moines. Yeah. It's some, it's some nice, I mean, it's not miles of climbing, but just get those, you and know, that's a loop too. Yep. It's a what two mile loop yep. around McCray park. Yeah. You can just, 
you just climb up and it's got some good climb and then you just coast down some climb but yeah it's just it's time in the saddle and just getting your legs used to used to those climbs just takes takes a while but yeah but you you get out there and i i don't know i get the adrenaline rush and just seeing like i see the scenery and just people from other states and just sure, kind of talking sure. and it's just a it's a good time even team bad boy does it really yep with those grills with with the grills with everything we had a uh, we had a beer at mile 11 with them they they had pulled over to rest and they're like iowans you want a beer and we're like yes <laughs> so we pulled over and had a beer and these people just thought we were crazy and i wasn't sure yet because we were 11 miles into a hundred you know 100 mile ride i wasn't sure if that was the best idea but they had some ipa and i drank it and we just talked and listened to some music there and took off and i can't a, imagine good doing it's a ten thousand one one way right yeah with yeah. a full grill yeah. and a bar and they they were good yeah i mean that it would almost scare me more going downhill That's with that, true. that equipment because they were going slow up, but yeah, flying down. There's some. That's very true. There's some crazy curves on there, and you know, most of them have guardrails. But I still have that smash beer can too. I just <laughs> thought that was that was that was a uh, something to keep. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate going through March, March's events. Uh, thanks to Kyle's Bikes for letting us uh, hang out in their shop. Uh, record this surrounded by probably a hundred or so various styles of bikes and tandems and tricycles and stuff so um we'll be back next month talking april's events catching up then and we'll talk soon definitely Dev, thanks brian and by the way if you guys don't have your events on the calendar get them on soon hey everybody this is andrea and you're listening to parrot talk i got a question today from a gentleman named ed ed wrote in and he says i love my rag bright jerseys all seven of them no matter where i ride Ragbright jerseys always get the best comments and questions. And if you couldn't tell, I'm blushing right now. So thank you very much, Ed. Um, and he really wants to know, if we, since we do such a good job of design, according to him, um, who is the graphic designer and how do we come up with a theme? Well, I 100% agree. The design is always awesome. And it is all due to our graphic designer, Suzanne Milosevic, who works for the Des Moines Register. So every year, just after the ride, TJ, myself, and Suzanne sit down and we talk about what we would like the logo of the year to be, just based off of what kind of themes we saw on the ride that year, or what we've done in the past, or just kind of whatever strikes our fancy. And we kind of build the logo and then the jersey from there. But all of the artwork comes from Suzanne, all of the graphic inspiration comes from Suzanne, and we just love her. She is awesome. She also does all of our uh, advertisements, any other designs for t-shirts that you might see. So really any graphics that you see from Ragbri come from her. So huge kudos and thank you to Suzanne. Then as far as the actual jersey goes, uh, we send everything over to Primal Wear and they will put it all together into one package and we'll have our jersey from there. Now it might sound like we do this all in one go, but it takes about 50 different designs to get the exact right jersey because it's got to be perfect. So thank you to Primal for their patience with all of our tweaks and changes. So that's how we get a different jersey every year. As far as how many jerseys we sell per year, well, it's a lot. It depends on what exactly you're saying, but I'm just going to say it's a boatload. Um, I personally have to move them off the truck myself every year, and it takes like a whole day to do that. So, um, yeah. Well, that's it for today's Parrot Talk. Thank you, Ed, for the awesome question about one of my very favorite topics. If you'd like to ask me a question, you can just send us an email at justgobike at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media, which is all at Just Go Bike, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
we've reached the end of the Just Go Bike podcast. You can find our show notes at www.justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on this show? Let us know. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Just Go Bike. Be sure to subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast and join us next week for more. And also check out our sponsors while you're at it. They make the Just Go Bike podcast possible. So Primalware out of Denver, Colorado is our main sponsor. Also, we have the Iowa City Coralville Convention and Visitor Bureau. Lots of great events that coming at you from, from Coralville and Iowa City. And also Bikes to You out of Grinnell, Iowa. And they're a Ragbri bike shop and charter. So thanks to those sponsors for making the Just Go Bike podcast possible. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. And if you're Dale Earnhardt Jr., don't let it get you down. Remember, bicycling's fun. And if you can't remember that, tune into the Just Go Bike podcast and we'll tell you how much fun it is. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.